This is Women's Leadership Success Radio, episode number 80. Today we're going to talk about something different, something you would probably never hear in a leadership program or course. But I think this information is vital. It will teach you how to retrain your brain and change your ability to control your emotions and impact how you lead. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, and today we're talking with Loretta Bruning. She is the founder of the Inner Mammal Institute, which provides resources that help people rewire their mammalian neurochemistry. She's Professor Emerita at Cal State University East Bay and author of Beyond Cynical and I, Mammal. She also writes the blog, Your Neurochemical Self. Loretta, tell us about that. Tell us about all the different things in our brain that uh, can affect our happiness and what you'd like us to know today. Well, the good feelings that we're always looking for are caused by some specific brain chemicals that we've all probably heard about here and there, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphin. And it's amazing to know that in the state of nature, animals have the same chemicals and they are not designed to be on all the time. They're designed to be released when you see a way to meet a survival need. So it's a good feeling that motivates you to go toward anything that meets your needs. And if then the chemical turns off, and that's why we have ups and downs. And it's so helpful to know that we're meant to have ups and downs. So nothing is wrong when your happy chemicals dip after they spurt, and that's what we're meant to look for another way to make it spurt again. Now, what controls these happy chemicals is neural pathways that are built when we're young, and that's why we often have reactions that we find hard to make sense of because our happy chemicals are turning on for reasons that might not make sense today, and maybe they made more sense for your mammalian ancestors. So we can build new neural pathways to turn them on in new ways, but it takes a lot of repetition, and it's a little scary, and uh, when people know how to do it, then it's like a whole new life because you feel like you have some control. So I, you mentioned in your book, and I love this, this image. It's almost like we've got roads in our brain, and there are certain roads or certain pathways that we've gotten used to taking all the time. Yes, so the way it works is the electricity in your brain flows like water in a storm. It goes into the paths of least resistance, the paths that are already developed. Now, those paths are unique to each person because when we're born, they're not built yet. They're built from your unique life experience. So when you're born, you have billions of neurons, but they're not connected to each other. And every time chemicals turn on and off, those connections build. But... Once you're finished with puberty, you stop building superhighways in your brain because there's a certain substance that a young brain releases that is sort of like paving on a neural pathway. It's called myelin, and it coats neurons the way 
um, like a plastic coating on a wire, and it makes the neurons much more efficient. So everything you do with your myelinated neurons feels easy. And everything you try to force yourself to do that, that wasn't part of your repertoire by your teens feels odd. And then when it feels odd, then people often give up easily. Mm-hmm. So how do we overcome that? How do we... Um how do we stay with the odd feelings so we can learn the new things? Um, so uh thing is to know that if you repeat a new behavior every day, 45 days without fail, a new pathway will build. So it's not going to be a super highway. So if you imagine that your brain is a jungle of neurons and you're slashing through a jungle and it's so hard just to take one step, you have to work so much to clear all the undergrowth. And then if you come back the next day, then it's grown back. But if you clear the undergrowth every day, then a path will eventually establish. And that pathway will not be as big as like maybe some superhighway in the Amazon, but the superhighways in the Amazon lead to like yucky places that you don't want to go. And so the idea is that you can get comfortable with these new trails that you build by um, making a conscious choice of of what response you want to have. Uh huh. And that's something in your book and also on your website that you talk about how to how to pick those and which ones you might want to want to do. Um, exactly. But um, but I give like a, a wide range of suggestions. So it's not at all like any particular advice about how to live, but it's just suggestions for each of the happy chemicals. What types of behaviors turn them on in the state of nature? So you can understand what gets them going. Mm-hmm. I really, it's it's so exciting to think that that I could change something in 45 days. And on one hand, it seems like a long time, but on the other hand, wait a second. If I've had a habit I don't like for my whole life, that I could spend 45 days and begin to sure it's not going to be as strong as the old ones, but I can begin to develop that new way of thinking or being. That's very exciting. Yeah, well, you've really summarized it perfectly, that on the one hand it seems so long and on the other hand it seems so short. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, if it were, you know, if it were easy, then more people would do it. But here's the, the, the simple solution, is if you're having trouble doing it, break something down into smaller pieces. So here's a great example. If I say, I'm going to get organized, you know, starting today, I'm going to be organized every day for 45 days, getting organized is possibly too big a goal. <laughs> uh-huh. So so an alternative example would be I, I, I have a square inch of space on my desk, and I am going to keep that square, I'm sorry, I said a, a square foot, a square foot of space on my desk. Uh-huh. And you could say, I'm going to keep that square foot of space neat and create a habit. And that habit is a real physical pathway in your brain, and it gives a feeling of success. And then you can expand that next month in, into um, two square feet. Uh-huh. So that's way of looking at Another way of looking at it, though, is let's say I have this big mess pile on my desk, and every time I go to try to clear it off, I get this bad feeling. And that's what causes people to give up because you get a bad feeling that triggers 
everything you've ever done wrong in your whole life because that's mm-hmm. how our brain is organized. Uh-huh. So I can make a plan that I'm going to work on this mess pile on my desk for 10 minutes a day. And part of the plan is that once the bad feeling comes up, how am I going to manage it? And if I do that every day, just 10 minutes a day, then I've built a real circuit in my brain for how to deal with a bad feeling when it comes up. Can you, I think that's, it's such, so beautiful what, what you're saying right now. I'm, it's, it's really very exciting to me. And because I think all of us have bad feelings. We have some area where we put ourselves down or we, we get that funny feeling in our stomach. Can you give some examples of what one might do or say when one has the bad feeling? Sure. First, I I should explain about this bad feeling. So there's a couple of things. One is anything that hurt you in the past during your mile in years, uh, which is, let's just briefly say, um, until you're 20, then anything that made you feel bad then built a superhighway in your brain. So that turns on very easily. Mm -hmm. Another aspect is that one of the things that makes us feel good of the four happy chemicals, serotonin, Researchers in the 70s and 80s discovered that social dominance turns it on. So, for example, in the state of nature, animals are constantly trying to dominate each other. You know this if you watch the Nature Channel, but it's become taboo to acknowledge this in polite society and in academic psychology. Mm -hmm. So um, you don't hear about it anymore, but this is why... We all go nuts over tiny slights because we've inherited a brain that seeks the one-up position. If you don't get the one-up position, then you don't get the serotonin boost, so then you look for another way to get it. So you're always looking for that, oh, I just want to get a little bit ahead, just a little bit ahead, and we hate it when other people do it. Mm -hmm. But when we do it, we think, i got to do it or I'm going to die because in the state of nature, your genes literally get wiped out. If you don't, you know, get ahead, you don't get any mating opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then there's one more thing, dopamine. So dopamine gives you a good feeling of excitement when you approach a goal. Now, we all know, unfortunately, that the minute you accomplish a goal, short time after, the dopamine stops because the job it's designed to do is to motivate you to go toward Once you get, like, let's say I'm dying of thirst, once I get water, water doesn't make me happy. The dopamine stops. So that's why we're always giving ourselves another goal, another goal, another goal. So we're never happy with what we've done because our brain is designed to look for that next spurt of dopamine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, So the bottom line is this is why we all have bad feelings. So one way, you know, the first step is to know that you've created it yourself. Um, And that's, you know, for most people, I think it's very relieving. But then other people say, well, that doesn't make me, I still want to be happy. I don't want to just know that I'm supposed to feel bad. So, So then once you accept that you've created this frustration, you're like, yeah, well, I still want, I still want Mm -hmm. something else. So, um, I'll give you an example. Let's say I have the pile of mess on my desk, which includes papers. Now, we don't, they may be a digital form for many people, but 
we all have like projects that we started that failed. Mm-hmm. And the minute you sort of try to clean up your mess, you run into that project that failed. And then you keep going and you run into another project that failed. So that triggers your cortisol because disappointment triggers cortisol. It's hard to understand that, but if you imagine if you're a lion and you're running after a gazelle and that gazelle gets away, then if you keep running after it, you're going to starve to death because mm-hmm. it's away, and then you're going to run out of energy. So you, you need to know when to give up on stuff. That's the job our brain designed to do, to make careful decisions about where to invest your energy. So when something doesn't work out, you get a bad feeling because in the state of nature, that bad feeling tells the lion, give up on this gazelle, go look for another one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I look at my desk, it's like, oh, there's that one thing that failed and there's that other thing that failed and there's that person who didn't call me back. And, you know, it's your cortisol starts going and that triggers electricity down that pathway that now your brain is going to see only evidence of stuff that went wrong in your life. It's so easy for this to happen. So it's sort of like... um if I'm a gazelle and I smell a lion, then that puts the gazelle on high alert, the cortisol. Then the gazelle has to look for a lion in order to know which way to run. So it's like once I start looking for a lion, everything around me is like a lion. Mm-hmm. So it's like I see everybody who ever rejected me my whole life and anybody who rejected me during my myelin years, and that's what gets turned on. So the alternative is to build an alternative pathway that says what. So each person can decide that for themselves. But I'll give you an example of something I've done. Um, I love to read biographies about people who had disappointments and picked themselves up. And it's amazing to know that every single thing we have in our lives today exists because somebody thought of it. They got criticized and ridiculed, and they tried again, and they refined it, and often they weren't recognized until after they died. So I'm, you know, building a pathway in my head that says don't overreact to short-term, you know, short-term success or failure. So uh, one of the things that you do is you've, you've got some sayings that you use, like don't overreact to success or failure. Um. Yeah, um don't um don't expect short run uh, results. But what the way I said the way I say it to myself actually, you're always supposed to phrase things in the positive rather than in the negative. So in the positive, what could I say in the positive? What I do might not work for other people, but I tell myself I enjoy creating this. Okay? So if I give a talk I create a PowerPoint presentation. Let's say only three people come to the talk, but I tell myself I enjoyed creating the PowerPoint presentation, and who knows, someday something fabulous could come from that presentation that I created. I don't know, so I can feel good about what I created. So that's the way I do it. So I, I, I so if I think in terms of would would it work to think? It's almost like shifting gears in a car or I need to the minute I feel the bad feeling or feel that it's it's not working anymore to get me to do what I need to do here to shift to 
it could be something I say. Could it be turning on music, or um, just good, good, yeah, uh, good point. Um, shifting to a different project for a while. Yes, yes, all of the above. Uh, partly depending on the situation a person is in, like you know, if you're at work, if you're at home, whatever it is, uh-huh. um, you can have a number of tools of things you can shift to. But the first thing is, of course, not to put yourself down for having the feeling, not to say, "Oh, you idiot!" There's that old tape. That you know, a lot of people are learning that. So don't do that. So what I say is, I'm a mammal. It's natural for mammals to have these ups and downs. Um, but I could choose to focus my attention on something else. What would I like to be focused on now? Yeah, then, I, yes. I like that. I um, the the challenge that I have, and I see other people do, is that I might go for something to eat, or mm-hmm. I I know people that do alcohol or drugs. So how do we not pick something that might do that that could be destructive in the long run? Absolutely. That's a great question. So, and I talk a lot about this in my book. And uh-huh. I never, I never focus on any one unwanted habit because everyone has the, their own unwanted habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, think of some alternative ways of making yourself feel good. So, one of them, let's, Let's say I let just hypothetically I said, okay, every time I get into this pickle, um, which one could call a vicious cycle, mm-hmm. where I start feeling bad, that I'm going to go and read a novel for five minutes, and I'm going to choose not a depressing, horrible novel that I feel like I should read so that I'm not criticized, but something I'd love to read, and it gives me a good feeling when I'm reading it. Now, many people will say, I don't have time to spend five minutes in it. And it's like, yeah, well, you would pollute yourself with that bad habit, but you wouldn't take five minutes off. So so that's one way of looking at it. Then the other um, is um, to have a wide variety. So, for example... I have coffee twice a week. I have alcohol well, three. Okay, let's say three. I have coffee three times a week. I have alcohol three times a week. So that means I have, you know, alternate days when I don't have something. So that on the day I have it, it's like a treat. Because if you have something every day, your your brain immediately takes it for granted and it's not a treat anymore unless you have more. So about the days that I don't have a this or a that, then I have a something else. But, you know, I can't have that every day because then I run out. So then I have, you know, so just, you know, very, you know, so you can have an ice cream, you know, have have a small ice cream every other day or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, and the other thing I'm hearing is build up a repertoire of these things so that you're not, Searching around when you're when you're in a bad mood, trying to figure out what to do. You've got you've got the list, or you know a few things that are going to work for you. Absolutely. And there's one other thing. If you're having um, a kind of work pressure where you feel like you don't have time for these kinds of things, which you know you do, but um, there's also within your work tasks, some are more stressful than others. So one is I suggest taking a more um taking a less stressful task and saving it for those times when you're more likely to be in a dip. 
Um, so you all have your own ideas of what's a less stressful or more fun task. And another way of looking at it is to alternate. Like if I know I have a really hard task to do, then I'm probably going to end up feeling bad, to plan a funner task after that so I don't end up in a total dip. Oh, this is so incredible. I just love this. Um, so how do you there, – there's so many, so many questions I can ask you, and before – before I forget, I would like you to tell us what your the name of your website is because I loved you. Your website has a lot of this information on it, and you have a great newsletter people can uh, sign up for. What what is your website? InnerMammalInstitute.org. Okay. InnerMammalInstitute.org. Yeah. Okay, and I'll put it up on the web on my website too, so people can see it. Um, and, and, yeah, there's a, a huge array of free resources. Uh, people have written to me and told me they don't like to read books. <laughs> so I have put the information in every possible format. Well, it's too it's too bad because this book, Habits of a Happy Brain, is a super easy read. And the thing I like about it is it doesn't just describe stuff. Every chapter has um, activities you can do that will really begin to change your happiness and your your habits. So I hope um, the people that think they don't like to read will reconsider that because it's a it's a book worth reading. Can you tell me what what does it mean to choose happiness? So um, there are so many reasons why um, unhappiness might feel more normal. So one is that our brain goes there, and that's what my next book is about. <laughs> my uh, my new book coming out in Christmas is called The Science of Positivity. Um, but in addition to our whole um, negative neurochemistry, there's certain social bonding around negativity. And you all know that, that when you want to connect with certain people and they're feeling awful about X, you join them or you're not so welcome. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very frustrating to me. Um, so everyone has their own slice of this where if I say, no, I'm going to be happy despite X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. um, you might get a little flat from people around you. So you could still give yourself permission. You know what? I'm going to be happy whether or not these people think it's okay, whether or not the world changes, whether or not the world fits what I think it should fit for my idealized view of happiness. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to choose it anyway. I think that's beautiful advice. And um, I was raised that the only time I got attention is if something was wrong. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are like that. And it's it's what an exciting thing to realize that you can choose something different than other people around you that it's okay to choose happiness. Um, yeah. And what do you mean by a virtuous cycle? What does that mean? Well, first, obviously, everyone knows what a vicious cycle is, but I'll just quickly explain it. So let me use an example of a habit that probably a lot of listeners do not have just because it, it, it's less frustrating to look at other people's habits. So let's say I'm a gambler, and I have... Um, Sorry, do you hear that darn fire engine? Can yeah, I, I'm just gonna wait it's a okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'll wait so you can get okay. it out. 
<laughs> and um jeez, I can't believe it. You know what? I'm on the main road to a hospital, so that's what it is. Um it's not a fire engine, it's an ambulance, that's what it is. Um okay. <laughs> okay. So oh yes. So um so a vicious circle. So let's say I'm a person who had a gambling experience when I was young, and I won, you know. I, I was oh, my God, you're rich. Because when you're young and you win a little bit, it's, your brain makes a connection that says, whoa, this is the thing to do. This works. This is the way to be happy. So for you, it may have not have been gambling, but it's something else that you did. You got a good feeling, and your brain says, this is the way to go. But then when you go and gamble, then you next time you don't win, you lose. And your brain is like, well, what's wrong? I'll try it again. What's wrong? I'll try it again. Mm-hmm. So that's what tends to happen. We have these myelinated circuits. And when we fail to get the happy reward that we expect, then we try it again and then we get something worse like losing money and then you feel worse about losing money. So then you keep trying the same thing again. So we can all easily understand how that would apply to food or drinking or having affairs or whatever habit a person has. So what would be a virtuous circle? So we talked about choosing a positive behavior. So let's just say, for example, every time um, my boss gives me a look that I feel terrified when I get that look, I'm going to do something nice for myself. I'm going to choose something nice for myself that I actually can do in the workplace rather than say, well, it's not my fault I couldn't do it. So I'm going to choose something I can do for myself in the workplace just for, let's say, two to five minutes where I'm going to create a positive feeling rather than that terrified feeling. So I do it. So then let's say I do it every day for a few days. The next time my boss gives me that look, I expect to succeed. I'm like, oh, good. Now I can go and do my happy thing. (laughs) I know that I can change my bad feeling into a happy feeling. And it frees me of that whole mess of debating my boss in my head and thinking about how it's all so unfair, which, you know, that's what our brain naturally does if we don't build new pathways. Wow. Just so empowering. So empowering, and and people just must feel so much more confident when they really understand how to do this. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So we're we're just about out of time, and I'm wondering, is there a final word of advice you would like to give the people listening to this show? Final word of advice. Um, yeah. Um, I had um, an amazing uh, experience when I was young, but I I just think um, maybe everyone can find their equivalent. I was always looking for a job when I was a teenager, and I couldn't find a job because I didn't know anybody, and I didn't have any way to get in. But I learned how to send out resumes. And then when I got older, I would get that letter that would say, thank you, we will put your resume on file. And I actually got three fabulous jobs because my resumes were pulled out of the file. And I would never have done that if I hadn't, you know, been willing to get rejected. So it's the ability to put a 100 irons in the fire and not obsess over the rejections. The modern equivalent is like if you put something on a website and you get 
no clicks or, you know, you only get one like or something like that. But you don't know what good will come out of it later on. So not to overreact to to um, immediate disappointments, but just to enjoy the process. Oh, that's that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk to us today. Sure, you're welcome. I hope you like this show. If you did, I would really appreciate your help. I need more great reviews in iTunes or Stitcher.com because every great interview we get allows more women like you to discover the show and will help them to succeed too. Please visit iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to Women's Leadership Success Podcast. Also, I really appreciate you sharing my show with your friends and associates. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brom, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrom.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.